0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: God says, I will discipline you, but I will never, ever, ever, ever cast you out. So here's a question you can answer, and that's a simple one. If God does not condemn me, then... Who am I to condemn myself? You show me a verse in the Bible that God says to a believer in Christ at any time, walking with him or not walking with him, that says that he condemns those who are his children. You cannot find it. Why? Because there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So if God doesn't condemn you, the biggest thing is don't you condemn yourself. So if you're hearing your children, your teenager, sit in their room and throw the stuff on the floor and sit there feeling like I'm just no good and they feel so condemned, you wrap God's ever-loving arms around them with Scripture and your tender words and you remind them so much. If God doesn't condemn you, then don't condemn yourself. And may I add a little thought to that? Here it is. If God doesn't condemn you and you shouldn't condemn yourself, then I shouldn't condemn you. Now think about that. So that might help you, but there is something that is very, very important in this context. Would you go back to Romans 8 verse 1 again? Who is this promised to? The promise that God will not punish you, that God will not be angry with you, that God will not reject you, or that He won't withhold His blessings from you. Who is that to? It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for... Those who are in Christ Jesus. Mark that in big letters for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've done this illustration before and I'll probably do it many more times because it works so well. But I'd like you to see this, especially you that are working and teaching and discipling others. What does it mean to be in Christ? I'm holding up two objects. Can you see them in the back? I'm holding up my Bible right here. And so the Bible for a moment is going to represent the person of Christ. The Bible really is the written word, and then you have the living word, which is Christ. But for right now, we're going to let my Bible represent Christ. We're going to let my piece of paper right here that I'm holding up, this piece of paper is going to represent me for just a moment. Now, there are people that will think that in order to go to heaven to get in Christ, that what I have to do is I've got to clean myself up. Well, since I'm here today and I'm a sinner, I'm really going to mess up this piece of paper and get some real dirt on it because I'm, I'm a bad sinner like some of you, okay? All right, Now, if I stood before the Lord as a messed up, dirty piece of paper and I stood before him, God would look at me and he'd say, why should I let you into my heaven? And I could go to the Lord and say, well, I'm a sinner right here, but I'm not as bad as sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. I'm, I'm okay. You've got to let me in. I tried to do the best I could. God would say to me then, go ye into everlasting fire. I would not have eternal life. So I would think that and say, okay, here's what I need to do now. I need to clean myself up. Okay, I'm a sinner, so I'm going to do good things, righteous things. Keep the commandments. Get baptized. Join a church. Sing hymns. I'm going to do social things. I'm going to do things in the community to to maybe make the community better, help the homeless, etc. So I clean myself up. So now when I die, I'll stand before the Lord much cleaner than I was before. And God could ask me, why should I let you into my heaven? How would I answer him? Well, I was real bad before, but I heard now that I should be good, so I clean myself up. So come on, let me in, Lord. The Lord's going to say... I'm so glad you did better and you helped your fellow man. You did some religious things, but none of those things will get you into heaven because the law can't save you. All it did was to remind you that you're so imperfect because the law is so perfect. He's going to say, go ye into everlasting fire. Now we get into the in Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 says that if we are in Christ by faith, that's what gives us eternal life. Now watch. I can know about Christ, but that doesn't mean I'm in Christ. I cannot get into Christ by doing any type of religious or social good deeds. How do I get in Christ is when I place my faith in Christ. When I place my faith in Christ, then I am accepted in the Beloved One, Ephesians chapter 1, and now I am all in Christ. Now when I die and I stand before God and God looks at me, does He see my righteousness or Christ's righteousness? He sees Christ's righteousness because I'm in Him. Now, if I'm in him, the promise is there's no condemnation. He is not angry. He doesn't reject me. He doesn't punish me because he already took the punishment for me on the cross. And he doesn't withhold any blessings. Does that mean that I'm perfect? Here's the answer. Yes and no. Yes, I'm perfect because I'm in Christ. No, I'm not perfect because I still sin. Watch this. But even though I sin because I'm in Christ, I have eternal life because of faith alone in Him. So that's why to get into Christ, I place my faith in Him. Now, in Christ, you that are looking through the windows, I want you to say, listen, Christ did all that for me on the cross. I have all those blessings when I'm in Christ and I want to get in Christ. You don't go into a building. You don't join a church. You take the little faith you have, like a grain of mustard seed or a little child, and you place it in Jesus Christ and Him alone to give eternal life. Then you won't have any condemnation. So listen, if Christ can save you from all the sin that would keep you out of heaven, and you're not condemned then any longer, then you're not condemned when you miss the mark even now. So, let's talk about the process. So what is this process of not being condemned? It's very simple. You can't. God can. Here's how. That's the teaching through Romans 6, 7, and 8. I can't get over this condemnation thing by myself. God can, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And here's how I win this condemnation battle that I seem to have in my mind. Now, to do that, some of you might think, well, as a believer now, now I'm talking to believers, not to get into Christ, you're already into Christ. Some of you say, well, I'm still condemned. And as my feeling of condemnation is, I must do a lot of good deeds now. I can do this, and I should do that, I should try this, I should try that. I'm going to tell you that if you put too much emphasis on yourself, you're no different than the world. The world's thinking about having a better life is, if I want it, I should think it. If I think it, I should believe it. If I believe it, I should say it. If I say it, I will have it. That's what the world says. That's what most of the Bible teachers or preachers or speakers do on TBN. Joel Olstein will say the same thing. Napoleon Hill says the same thing. Whatever the mind can conceive, you can achieve. And there's great danger in that because it's only found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the world's thinking. Now we're going to get a little deeper here. I will finish hopefully by one o'clock. No, no. We'll be done here shortly. Listen carefully. There are two laws that are operating. One is called the law of sin and the other one is called the law of the spirit of life. The law of sin and the law of the spirit of life. Now, one law will trump the other law. One law The Spirit of life overcomes the Spirit of the law or sin and death. I know some of you are writing that down. The law of the Spirit of life, and that's a capital S in context, is talking about the Holy Spirit, not your Spirit to do more. It's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of life overwhelms, overcomes the Spirit of sin and death. Now you hear that and you think theologically. How does that really make sense? Because how can one law trump another law? Well, maybe there's another way I could do it by doing, doing a little bit of science. And I'm not a scientist, so relax. So here's the question. How many of you have ever flown in a helicopter or an airplane, rocket ship, or anything like that that you had to leave the ground in some kind of a man-made object, but you left the ground? Would you raise your hand? Okay, I was going to say a broom, but I, I better not say that because you might think I'm thinking of something else. But anyway... The point simply this is that you have what is known as the law of aerodynamics and then you also have the law of gravity. The law of aerodynamics, if it's done properly, that right law of aerodynamics will trump the law of gravity. And so one is stronger than the other. I have a pen in my hand here. And so with the law of gravity, if I drop this pen, it would fall. But I take my hand over here, and because of the strength that I have, I can grab the pen as it now falls, and so now the law of the strength of my hand trumps the law of the pressure of gravity that's pulling the pen down. So one law can trump the other law. When you trust Christ as Savior, this is huge, folks. When you trust Christ as Savior, now you have a new law inside of you, and that's the law of the Spirit, which now so much Scripture teaches is the, the Holy Spirit is so powerful, He in Christ, that he's more powerful than anything else there is. And you now have the Godhead within you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're not becoming God, but you now are a partaker of his divine nature. So you now have the potential in Christ to have that law of spirit and life overcome the spirit of sin and death. Remember a moment ago I held up my Bible and I said that my Bible is going to represent Christ, all right? You have what we call two births. Your first birth is when you're born in your mom and dad's family. That's a flesh birth. In Scripture, that talks about going all the way back to Adam. Then when you trust Christ as Savior, you're born again of the Spirit. You're now in Christ. So you have Adam and you have Christ. When you trust Christ as Savior, you're still in the flesh, but now you've placed your faith alone in Christ And so now the new birth that you have in Christ trumps the old birth that you have of the flesh. Does that mean you'll never sin again? No, 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 we'll still sin. But I want you to know that you can have power over those propensities to do the things that will be sinful in your life. So quickly now, how does God provide this freedom? Very simple, very simple, goes back to salvation. Those of you that are looking to find out, what do I need to be saved? Look at the passage. He sent his son. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas, are we not? When we celebrate Christmas, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And as you celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, I want you to think of this passage in Romans chapter 1, 8, 8 rather, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, because it's all found in here. He sent his son. We're going to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ as a babe. Obviously, he grew up and went to the cross. Number two, he sent his son in the likeness of sinful man. Now, let me make this clear. He didn't send his son... As a sinner, like sinful man, he sent his son in the likeness of sinful man. And so we're really emphasizing the likeness of man who sins to remind us that men sin. But it's the emphasis is in the likeness of that man, which is, if you look all the stories, he walked, he talked, he ate, he slept, he drank, he cried, and so like man, He didn't come as a bird, He didn't come as a rock, He didn't come as a tree, so we do not worship sharks, trees, the sun, the water, all the things that God Himself actually created. He has not any of that. He came in the form of sinful man. Number three, He came in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering for Him. Those of you who know the Old Testament, you'll recall when a person sinned, Old Testament Jew sinned, he would then bring a special offering because he sinned. And that sin offering would be given to him. And then there would be a, a lamb, a special appointed animal that would be sh- uh, killed and the blood would cover that. And so we did all of that in the Old Testament, believing that there'd be coming the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, which would be Jesus Christ. So when Jesus now died, he became that sin offering because when he died, he took all the sin of all the world, for all time, venial sin, mortal sin, all kinds of sin, big and little sin, all on himself. He became the offering for us. Number four, he condemned sin in sinful man. In other words, he's saying, I'm doing all this for you because of the sin that's in your life. Sin is so bad, you can't do anything to get rid of it. So I'm condemning sin. I'm showing you how bad sin is. Sin is what's condemned, not you. Number five, he fulfilled the righteousness of, of the law in us. Look, if you will, at 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's in your notes there. It says this For our sake, He, God, made Him Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that in Him Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Some of you that are new here, you have not seen me do this hand illustration, and I'm going to do it again, and I'll probably will do it a number of weeks now, and you'll see it again at Christmas. This hand illustration is so good. Parents, would you learn this and teach it to your kids? The best. Research I've done on this hand illustration, I believe it went back to a guy named L.R. Scarborough, who was a great professor and president of Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. Then I read in Romans the commentary by Barnhouse, and when Barnhouse was in Romans chapter 4, he talked about how he came to faith in Christ by this hand illustration, and he was doing it because someone showed it to him, and while he was doing this, he then realized what salvation was all about. And then I read further on where A. Ray Stanford picked it up and D. James Kennedy uses it. So I'm in pretty good company. And if you use it, you'll be in good company. But remember, it's what it's illustrating. That's the key. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here it goes. Let my left hand represent God who took on flesh. All right? God sent his son in the likeness of sinful man. God came as a man. Didn't mean he sinned, but he came as a man. So reverently, we're going to let my left hand now represent Jesus Christ, who is God. Now stay with me, because it's not just believing in God that gets you to heaven. It's believing that Jesus is God. Now, this is God in the flesh. No sin on him, he's perfect. The Bible says, letting my right hand represent you and me. My left hand is Christ, God in the flesh. My right hand is you and me. My wallet now is going to represent our sin. Now, we are sinners by nature. We were born with that in Adam. We are, because of that nature of sin, we do sinful things. So, we're sinners by nature and by choice. I am a sinner. Through and through, I am a sinner. Look up here again Jesus Christ is absolutely perfect. He knew no sin, He could not do any sin. He was perfect. My sin here is on me. And the tragedy of my sin, among many things, is that my sin separates me from God. Old Testament and New Testament truth teach that. It separates me from God. It also will separate me from heaven because heaven is a perfect place and he can't allow me as a sinful person into heaven with that sin. Otherwise, it's quite probable that I'll pollute heaven like man has polluted earth because of the sin. So sin is a big problem here. Now, we already learned that God loves me, but he hates my sin. He says, I'm condemning sin, not the sinful man. He's reminding us how bad sin is when Jesus Christ went to the cross. And so now watch carefully. Here I am as a sinner. We learned today that if I keep the law as much as I try to, I still have sin because keeping the law will not get rid of my sin. It just shows me how bad of a sinner I really am. So nothing I do myself will ever, 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 like superglue sin. I can't get rid of that sin. Now The Bible says God loves me, but he hates my sin. And so here's what Jesus did. Now watch carefully. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us. So he took all my sin on himself. Past, present, future, big and little, man, woman, boy and girl, foot-washing Aborigine, whoever it might be, everybody's sin went on himself. He died and he rose again. Now notice, the sin ticket was paid for by the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection is blood. Now look over here. Notice my sin is gone. Now, that does not mean everybody's going to heaven. It just means that the sin was paid for. So now he has taken my sin on himself and put it on his account. He died, rose again, paid it in full. Colossians 2 and other passages, Acts 13. So here am I. That does not mean now just because my sin is paid for by Christ, I'm going to heaven because I need something else to get me there. I need now for him to take his righteousness and put it on my account. Romans 8, 1 through 4, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Now, in order for him to take his righteousness and place it on me, I am in a state of condemnation. He's paid for my sins. I need his righteousness. I now have to receive his righteousness only one way. That's why it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the way because he died and paid the sin ticket. It's the way because I don't put my faith in the Holy Spirit or God necessarily to get me into heaven. I've got to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. It's all about his work for me on the cross, who is God. So now the moment I take my childlike faith and place it in him, and by the way, him alone, him alone, meaning not God and some other God. It's not God and some religion. It's not God and also hoping my good works will get me there. So I'm putting some faith in myself as well. It's when I take my faith and I put it in Christ. Here's what happened now. Watch, this is very important. He then says, at that point, I will transfer my righteousness and I'll put it on your account. So now when you die, I cannot see your sin. It has been paid for. And why now I only see my righteousness because you are in Christ because I now took my righteousness and gave it to you. Bottom line, I took your unrighteousness, he said, and I gave you my righteousness in its place. That's called substitutionary payment of Jesus Christ. So now listen, 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 listen. To get into Christ, that's the great truth, of place in your faith alone in Christ. You will no longer be condemned. What's implied? You are already in a state of condemnation, dear ones. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you are horribly condemned already. And when you expire from your earthly heaven, because that's all this is compared to what's waiting for you, that condemnation is awful, it's horrific, it's indescribable. But when you take your faith and you believe that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again, and through that prompting and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and this message and you knowing that you're a sinner and you say, I can't do it, but you can. Therefore, I'm trusted in you. Now you move from the position of the condemned to the now no more condemnation because you are in Christ. Now as a believer, when you mess up, there is still now no condemnation to you. So if you're looking for an eternal security passage, Romans 8 is your passage to own that's what it's saying, as long as you're in Christ. Now, some of you say, what? Can't you get out of Christ? No, nope, because you're sealed by something that is as powerful as God, who happens to be God himself. The Holy Spirit says, I seal you. You can never break the seal. Jesus never says, I'll cast you out. In fact, he says, I'll never cast you out. You are kept in my family forever and ever by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. And so, folks, as we begin this living free, in order for you to live free, you have to realize there is no chain of condemnation that you need to have in your life, theologically, for eternity, and day by day by day by day, because God loves you. Here's some things that might help you to grow. Think about these things. You might try them. They're little earthly things, just some stuff for you to think about. One is read the four ways God will not condemn you every night before you go to sleep. He won't punish you. He won't be angry with you. He won't reject you. He won't keep keep his blessings from you. Number two, each time you catch yourself making a self-condemning statement, like saying, I'm so stupid. I'm no good. Instead of saying, I'm so stupid. Here's what I'd like you to say. I am a saint. And by the way, Romans 1, 6 says that's to whom this book was written. You're a saint. You've trusted Christ. There's now no condemnation. You're not stupid. You're a saint. Will you do foolish things? Absolutely. But you're not stupid. You're a saint. Number three. And I want you to incur, I want to encourage you to read Romans chapter 8 again and again and again and let a loving God speak to you in written fashion using the voice of the Holy Spirit to remind you of His Son and what He did for you on the cross forever. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Take a moment and own this. Your prayer might be this, Lord, no condemnation. Lord, it is so hard for me to believe this, but I have to understand this process that you sent your son and you did this for me. Because it's hard for me to believe that, even though you don't condemn us, we often find ourselves condemning ourselves. And so, Lord, I want to confess the times that I forgot that if you don't condemn me, I shouldn't condemn me. And so, Lord, prepare my heart for the weeks to come as I learn about this great truth of being in you and. Help my family and my kids and my mate, my friends, to know that in Christ there is no condemnation because you've done all the work for us on the cross. And therefore, we can have joy. Some of you that are here today, if I can speak to you, would you like to make sure that you're no longer condemned? Then on the authority of God's word, he says, be in Christ and you won't be condemned. And he says, how do you get in Christ? It's your faith in him that places you in Christ forever. Is there anyone that would like to call upon the Lord? It's not even a prayer. It's a kind of a transaction that goes on where you stop trusting in yourself or religion or whatever else, and now you just kind of give it up and say, Lord, it's just you. I believe you died and rose again for me on the cross. You suffered my condemnation for me and my sin on the cross. And so, Lord, I'm now receiving your full forgiveness and the promise of no condemnation. I'm in your forever, 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 forever family. Is there anyone that's crying out to God alone and in your own little transactional way between you and Him right now in your mind? And you'd like to let me know quietly with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around by that simple, private, uplifted hand. And when I see that hand, I'll just let you know I saw it and that's it and move on. But I want to know, is there anyone that today is Stepping over the line and now saying, I'm in Christ because of what he's done. And I place my faith in him and there is no condemnation for me. I will not condemn myself because Jesus will never condemn me. Is there anyone that's doing that? Never done it before. You're doing it right now and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? You're doing it now. Real high. Okay, Christians, how about you? Struggling with some condemnation? Give it up to the Lord right now and remember you're no longer condemned in him. You celebrate the fact that He loves you. He's not angry with you. He will never punish you. He may discipline you, but it's because He loves you and there's a boatload of blessings that He won't withhold from you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know this was a big chunk of meat today, but Father, these are the kind of truths that sometimes we really need to learn and know and own. These are the kind of truths that we're going to have to hear again and again, but as we do, it's going to go very deep These are the very things that are going to change us from the inside out. And so, Lord, we now are going to give it up. No condemnation because we are in Christ by grace through faith alone in you. And so now, Lord, let that motivate us. Your grace and mercy and the promise of no condemnation propel us into a life of holy surrender to you and service of others as we want to point them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.